Welcome to the Wilderness Medic Podcast. Check out our website at www.thewildernessmedic.com. Expedition resources, wilderness medicine blog, and much more. Hi everyone, welcome to episode four of the Wilderness Medic Podcast. My name's Daniel and today I'm joined by Dr. Marcus Stevens, um, who is a GP trainee near Bath. He uh, has done some pretty exciting things um, sort of along the way, though. Um, so we're going to be discussing a few things um, he's been up to, including his work in Mali, um, when he went uh, to Everest's North Cole, um, and some other things that he's been up to along the way. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, Marcus, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Good to, good to chat again. Indeed it is. And uh, we were just discussing how uh, we've been blessed with nice weather today, and you've been out on, out on your bike I am. My legs are feeling it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it a long one, was it? Uh, no, not really, actually. Just a quick one. Uh, got out after uh, a couple of calls this morning uh, and before sitting down to do this. Thought I couldn't really uh, sit in all day and, uh, and miss out on the blue sky. So just a, a quick 20 miles around uh, some of the nice Somerset roads. Sounds very, very casual. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that seems fairly long. But yeah, very, very good. And, and, um, yeah, so it would be quite interesting, I think, probably to start with, just to maybe take it back to when you were back um, back in in Oxford, and you, I think, you started off getting involved with uh, the Simeon Mountains project, the, the mobile medical service. Yeah, I um, I did my elective uh, up in northern Mali with the uh, Simeon Mountains mobile medical service. Uh, slightly long name and we've never managed to really shorten it to anything <laughs> particularly sensible um, and I, uh, I was chatting with a friend actually um, who was doing a PhD um, in zoology and, and I was sort of moaning that I couldn't find anywhere to do my elective that kind of combined sort of various interests you know mountains and sort of travel and, and wasn't quite, quite sure where to go and, um, and he mentioned that uh, he had previously done a year uh, in northern Mali, watching uh, a family of monkeys every day um, and suggested that, that I might want to have a look there. And, and I kind of Googled Simeon Mountains um, Medical and I popped the charity and I, I dropped them an email and explained what an elective was and uh, I went out and, and did my elective there and uh, have kind of been involved ever since. Um, firstly, as kind of uh, just a bit of an advisor, trying to fix some of a uh, couple of problems or couple of things that I sort of noticed that could be improved when I was there. Um, was lucky enough to go back during my F1, F2 years in the years afterwards. Um, and now uh, sit on the board of, of their UK UK side of the charity. And um, and we've, uh, unfortunately, hasn't been particularly um, exciting this year, but, but we've got a, um, an elective program, which I set up a couple of years after I've been out there for the elective. And most years we'll have you know, at least five or six medical students go and do their electives out there and get a bit of a feel for how hard it is to, to provide medical care somewhere that remote and, and really yeah. to get a bit of a feel for whether they want to incorporate that kind of global health work into a future career. Yeah, I think that's, that sounds, uh, sounds really good. And we'll put a, put a link to, to the website in the, in the description of, of the podcast. Yeah, that the, uh, Obviously, it is. It's a very uh, sort of remote place, and the scenery there looks incredible. It's it's certainly been on my my list of places places to go. 
Um, hopefully, I will one day maybe even get involved with the with the medical service there as well. Is it sort yeah. of do you take on on, on uh, sort of people who have qualified or any sort of allied health professionals as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a very kind of relaxed attitude to it, and and I kind of say to the medical students that you know they're not there to run the clinic or to to, to save you know to save Ethiopia. They're there to to really, as I said, get a real feel for is this a kind of an area of medicine, um, a kind of career path they might be interested in, um, uh, and, and not to go with with sort of high hopes of, of you know, we've got doc, we've got nurses and we've got midwives that, that run our clinics, and, and they and the, the this medical students kind of slot in and, and you know get all the experience they can. But yeah, we've had doctors, we've had paramedics, we've had nurses um, go out at various points in their training um, and and spend time at the clinic. Um, we've got a, a clinic. Um, that, that normally is staffed by a midwife and a nurse uh, and looks after a, a massive swathe of the population in, 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 the, in the national park. And then also uh, four or five mobile nurse teams who travel um, normally with a mule uh, and visit all of the, the remote kind of villages and populations who um, struggle, would struggle to get to our clinic and to whom you just cannot get to on a, on a road. So yeah, quite a you know, really, really beautiful part of the world. Uh, you know, fascinating yeah. culture and um, yeah, be very, uh, yeah, very quite pleased to have you. opening experience, definitely, isn't it? And I suppose, and this is very much uh, their community primary care scheme. I take it that's uh, is, is sort of not much else. And then if you sort of identify anyone who is acutely unwell, you put them on the back of the mule, do you? Or what's, what's the setup? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the nearest. Uh, sort of town city is a place called Debark, which uh, has a referral centre that looks after probably about a million people, I think. Um, and we've done quite a lot of work with them, or they, they support us and we support them. Uh, a few years ago now, um, a retired dentist um, donated all his dental equipment, which we managed to get flown out. And, and that now uh, is uh, forms the, the sort of crux of, of a dental service that, that serves that, that population. Um, uh, they support you know, our nurses uh, in the national park with teaching and kind of governance, um, and, and we support the Bark Hospital um, whichever way we can. Um, to, and then close to to, to the Bark is Gonda, which is a much bigger hospital um, and has got links with with Leicester University and medical school. And there's quite often a, a two-way flow of, of medical professionals um, going to and from there, there in Leicester. Oh, excellent! Yeah, that sounds that sounds. Uh... Sounds like a good a good partnership, and I think um, currently uh, with the pandemic, I think there's also a, gl- a growing appreciation of, of the importance of of global health and, and sort of collaborative learning. And you know, if, if one positive thing can be taken from it, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things we realised is unfortunately just how much money has um, left those projects which aren't mm. COVID purely COVID related and. Um, you know, I think one of the, the challenges with, with running a charity and, and anyone who's been involved will, will be well aware, you know, fundraising and, and, and keeping that flow of money is, is, is crucial and, and takes up a lot of time. Um, and, you know, it has been a very difficult, um, very difficult 18 months with that and, and a real shame because, you know, I think a lot of um, my colleagues in, that I work closely with in Mali, you know, their, their feeling really is that, that actually all the diseases which have affected them over you know their lifetimes and then their families over decades you know really haven't had the same attention that um 
that COVID has in the last year. And yeah, although, you know, much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah, they've, they've not gone away, have they? There's, there's still, well, across sort of uh, sub-Saharan Africa and, and, and sort of the still HIV, malaria, TB, all these, which if you yeah, put it into context in terms of absolute numbers, and it is a difficult one to to sort of juggle priorities, I guess, with the with you know health health systems and finances and things. Um, that's probably a whole a whole can of worms that we could be talking for for a long time about that sort of thing. Uh, Absolutely. But so I guess starting off with with that, that then gave you a flavour to to want to go back to Mali when you got more involved with Critical Care International. Yeah, so I think um, you know elective and being involved. You know, I knew from then on that I wanted to do something a bit weird and wonderful later on in my career and, uh, and certainly not retire after, you know, 30 or 40 years of, of working day in, day out in the NHS. I, I wanted to try and combine, you know, a career in the UK with, with something abroad and, um, you know, kept, kept an eye out during F1, F2 and uh, towards the, uh, the, the back end of F1, um, heard, heard about a, a company being set up um, to provide medical care um, to organisations in West Africa which became Critical Care International and headed out there post F2 um, to set up a clinic uh, in, a, in a gold mine in southern Mali. And um, yeah, did that for, for the next three years and uh, had an absolutely fantastic time. Yeah, that must have been uh, really interesting. And I suppose what sort of, what sort of things did you, did you see there? What was the, we sort of just dealing with uh, sort of their day-to-day complaints. I imagine mines, there can potentially be quite a lot of trauma involved as well. Yeah, so uh, our clinics uh, look after kind of comprehensive healthcare. So, you know, the majority of, of patient contacts are, are primary care, you know, yeah. sniffles, you know, upper respiratory tract infections, an awful lot of malaria, um, all, you know, all the way through from just, you know, feeling a bit unwell, a bit lethargic, all the way through to, uh, you know, septic shock from malaria or, or sort of... Um, you know, complaints of, of severe complicated malaria, sure. um, uh, a little bit of, of sort of occupational health and, um, and preventative medicine and, and public health and population health, um, you know, trying to prevent back injuries um, by teaching people how to, how to lift things, you know, very unsexy medicine. <laughs> but actually, sure, yeah. you know, if you get a bad back injury anywhere in the world, you know, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, um, you know, the treatment for it, if you, if you were to need surgery, for example, um, the outcomes aren't, aren't always great. And then, yeah, you're very, a, a lot of trauma. So depending on the, the, the stage of the project, so I was very lucky to go in um, to a project that was being built. So, you know, you can imagine there was just a, a flat bit of land and um, over the next 18 months, they, they built the gold mine, which involves kind of building a, a gold processing plant, which is essentially a, a factory. Mm. Um, which crushes up the rock, um, mixes it with cyanide and water, churns it around into big vats, um, and then through a kind of a series of, of chemical processes, extracts the gold, and you end up pouring the gold out into bars. So I've had a sort of a weird education in, um, yeah, in how to build like and yeah. <laughs> how to mine gold. Um, so I kind of, you know, I was there from throughout that process, and uh, early on, you've got all of the kind of the groundworks and the concrete being done, and then you you move into um, you know, the ironworks phase where you've got an awful lot of heavy ironwork being lifted around on cranes. And unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't end up where it should do. And you, uh, mm. you end up with some, some traumatic injuries. 
And then you move into a, a phase where you've got quite a lot of cyanide sticking around um, and you've got to prepare to prepare not only the, the workers to respond, but, but the clinic's team and, and, and the wider team to be able to respond to potential large-scale uh, contamination with, um, with gaseous cyanide. Yeah, uh, but that sounds, that sounds quite, <laughs> quite concerning. I mean, did you have any, any cases of sort of poisoning and, and problems like that? No, nothing, nothing serious. Um, I mean, it's rare. I mean, the safety setups um, amongst the mining community now are, are very sophisticated and it's taken very, very seriously. Um, you occasionally get sort of splashes of things that, that, we, that we'd look after, but, but certainly, not, certainly nothing major. Um, and I think that's probably the case in, in, in most mining operations around the world and, and offshore. You know, these yeah. are um, you know, high, risk, uh, high risk operations. In some ways, you know, comparable to, to medical care, you know, you're, you've got multiple, multiple people involved um, and, uh, you know, you've got to prepare for that eventuality and, and, and try and minimise yes. that risk at each turn. Yeah, I guess. And have, having all those safeguards in place and being aware of human factors and all the potential for error. But, yeah, I guess, yeah, you have to have all these, um, yeah, if you're running these... Uh, you know, these mines, yeah, it makes sense to have all their safeguards in, in place, definitely. And um, so it sounds like you were looking after quite sizable populations. Did you have any anyone else with you or was it literally just you post-F2 sort of going for it? Uh, so, yeah, so uh, mo- the clinic, we um, I went out and joined um, a doctor who'd been there, you know, for the last year or so while the kind of uh, the site was ticking over. It was previously a... Uh, what you call a gold exploration site. So there was a small camp there and previously kind of drilling rigs had been in searching for gold. You know, when they found enough gold, you know, obviously they, they uh, sort of shifted to, to a phase where they built, built the mine. So I joined him, a doctor called Dr. Dr. Didier, who became you know, a very close friend and colleague. Um, and it was initially just the two of us and we ended up uh, then hiring a team of nurses. Um, and now out there you've got... Um, uh, a, a CCI doctor, you know, Dr. Didier, uh, another uh, Cameroonian doctor, and then we've got uh, about six nurses that, that rotate through as well. So, um, so quite a big team, um, certainly big enough to, to do all the things we needed to, you know, not just provide care day to day, but also all the health education, um, you know, monthly topics, to, uh, education and teaching topics uh, to, to try and prevent you know, diarrhea illness, try and prevent people coming really sick with malaria um, and sort of late stage illness. Um, and then, you know, some of the occupational, increased occupational workload, monitoring the, the exposures, um, you know, heat, dust, you know, and, and doing some of that more technical cyanide work. So it's quite a lot going on. And, um, and those, that team on site are supported by a, a panel of, of experts, you know, med- medical consultants back in, in the UK and, and Europe uh, who are on call 24-7 for any kind of queries um, the team have got, um, any emergencies. Sure. That sounds, yeah, sounds very comprehensive, sort of like a, t- a top-level cover sort of arrangement, is it? Yeah. So, I mean, it, as a doctor working out there, it's, you know, it's at times sort of nerve-wracking and, and, and stressful, mm. obviously. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. not often in the UK are we, um, are we working by ourselves, you know, even yeah. in a GP practice or, uh, you know, you've, you've got someone potentially next door to ask for some advice and, and, and whatnot. Um, so we, we yeah, it was, it was a bit, bit of a different setup, but, um, you know, have always been our doctors and, and I always felt very supported, um, from, from the team back in the UK. And, um, you know, you 
could get hold of them whenever we needed to and um, get get as sophisticated a, a device as, 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 we, as we needed. Yeah, that sounds very good. And I guess for people listening, are there sort of openings if, if you know if people are looking to get involved with that sort of work, whether it's in, in uh, Mali or elsewhere? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the company's taken on some, some new projects this year already. Um, uh, and always, always stuff going on. So we're always keen to hear from from uh, doctors, nurses, paramedics um, who who be keen to to do that kind of work. And you know, really looking for people that have got that wide skill set. So you know, an interest and an experience in in you know, primary care, emergency medicine, um, you know, public health and, and planning. And and a lot of the you know, a lot of the, the difficulties or a lot of some of the day to day workload, you know, isn't just seeing patients. Uh, it's keeping a clinic running, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere, six hours from from the capital, potentially, you know, keeping it stocked, mm. keeping everyone, you know, keeping the team up to speed and making sure that when that when that emergency does come in, you know, the clinic, the team, and, uh, and everything are ready to ready to respond. We've had some, we've had yeah, you know, interest from from all sorts of people, uh, you know, vets and dentists, and I've had some fascinating conversations over the years with. Uh, people that have done some some really inspiring things, and uh, I um I mean I've, I've, I've interviewed a lot lots of people for for the roles, and I uh, have to say it was the bit of the job I, I used to enjoy the most was really just hearing from people that have done way cooler stuff than me, and uh, all all the while just jotting it down to remind myself that in the years to come I should really go and do you know X Y Z and um, and you know, yes. follow up some of those ideas. Well, that's the trouble I get with doing this podcast a little bit as well. <laughs> so you yeah. know, know what you mean, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds uh, like a really good project to be in, involved with. And uh, we were talking just before we we started recording as well that um, you started sort of diversifying a bit with Critical Care International and uh, started sort of an internship program. Yeah. So. From from early on, um, you know, myself and and the rest of the team have always been keen to um, offer something for for medical students and, and people who maybe don't quite have the experience to to come and work with us. Maybe, um, and I and I often explain it in that, you know, this isn't the job you want to go out to. You know, the first time you're you're heading off to work in sub-Saharan Africa, you're heading to work remote, heading off to work remotely. You know, you want to be comfortable in your skill set. You know, be happy that you're able to manage someone, um, you know, far from help, um, you know, with a consultant on the phone. Um, and so you need a, a little bit of experience to, 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 to be able to do that. And I think the problem with that, uh, and I was there, I'm sure you were, you know, some years ago, mm. was that in order to get experience, you, you know, you need experience from somewhere. And if no one will take you because you haven't got experience, then, then how, do you, how do you suddenly make that, that first jump? And um, I think we've all realized over the last year just how much can be done remotely. And, and we were doing that uh, yes, before. Obviously, we've got yeah. our clinics throughout West Africa. Um, and we've got, uh, you know, our, our team back here in the UK. And we work with, with quite a lot of Dutch doctors as well. And um, we have a weekly call where everyone joins and we run through what's going on each site. And we have a, you know, a weekly clinical call and we go through, you know, cases and, um, and debrief on, um, on interesting or difficult um, uh, presentations and, and patients. And I, I realized that, I, you know, there was no reason to stop us inviting someone to join that. And um, we started what we've kind of termed a, a remote internship. Um, so, you know, an internship done remotely, but, but also on remote medicine. Um, yeah. And really, you know, our, our first med student joined 
well, about six months ago, probably. Um, and she's been involved in, in kind of all aspects of the company, really. Um, you know, initially had a chat with, with each of our doctors on each of our project sites, um, you know, and myself and, and the various members of the management team um, to get a feel for the company and has joined calls and, uh, you know, really has, has, has offered us some, some brilliant ideas. Um, mm. and, uh, and, and one of those was, was to set up a, uh, an essay competition which, which we've just launched for, for medical students, paramedic students, nursing students. Um, you know, that was her idea and, and, you know, very much, you know, direct led by her. Um, oh, so yeah, so yeah. the, the remote internship, you know, as far as we're aware, it's, there's, it's one of the first ones we can find, or I'm certainly not aware of any, any other ones. And yeah, really yeah. the hope is that, that other organizations do the same. And I think, you know, you know, projects like MSF and, and all these, you know, organizations and charities who, who run global health um, projects throughout the world, you know, a lot of their operations, a, a, a lot of their work could be accessed or, you know, you could be um, offered to, to medical students and other juniors who, who want to get a feel for what it involves. And um, hopefully yeah, the, the model might yeah. catch on. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Certainly to get an idea of sort of the, the logistical you know, management, all the stuff that goes on in the background to make an operation work, because that's a lot of the stuff we don't really necessarily appreciate, isn't it? And uh, do you want to just tell tell people listening just a bit more about the uh, the essay, uh, what the, what the competition is, in case uh, in case they want to get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So the original plan, um, which which will still happen, but the original plan was to launch a uh, an elective bursary, so uh, to offer um, you know financial support to, to medical students uh, wanting to go and do electives in, in remote or resource poor places. Um, and unfortunately with COVID and, and we, we spoke to, to quite a few medical schools and they just weren't offering abroad electives or foreign electives. Um, so in, instead, uh, you know, Megan, our, our intern suggested uh, an essay competition. So we've got three, a choice of three essays um, that students can pick focusing on kind of the future of global health, you know, the kind of a vision of global health that, that they will be involved with. Um, and an essay, essay titles looking at uh, climate change, technology, you know, and the impact of, of COVID. And yeah, really looking forward to reading um, essays from, you know, fascinating essays from people who will be doing this in, in the years to come. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I'll, I'll put some, some links to that in, uh, in the description. Yeah. Fantastic. And then I guess moving sort of slightly away from from Africa, you somehow ended up uh, quite high up in uh, in, the, in the Himalayas. What was? How did you get involved? Um, sort of with that that Everest descent up to the North Pole. Yeah. Um, so what the, the 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 best not the best thing, but one of the great things about about working for CCI for, for all those years. Um, was I worked, well, the, the doctors still do now, but and I at the time worked on uh, on rotations. So I'd either work kind of six weeks on and then have six weeks off or, or roughly along those lines. You know, so every month and a half, two months, I had the same time again to, to go and travel. And I was lucky enough to, you know, spend uh, spend uh, six months driving from, from London to Mali, commuting to work um, in, a, in an old land cruiser with my dad and, and then driving home after I'd done my two months working and, uh, you know, he's lucky to spend a couple of weeks every summer uh, traveling with my brother. And um, someone put me in touch with, um, yeah, someone put me in touch with with Neil Lawton, um, 
who was running an expedition uh, to the North Col of Everest um, to ha to set the, the Guinness World Record for the highest dinner party. Uh, I touch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so one of the one of the, the slightly stranger kind of expeditions uh, out there. Um, I put me in touch with him, and they were they were off to a doctor um, for the trip. And um, luckily enough, kind of the dates and, and everything fell into place. And um, and I headed out to headed out to Kathmandu. There was sixteen of us, uh, sixteen of us, I think. Um, and we we went from Kathmandu, flew to Lhasa. Um, in Tibet, uh, and then drove uh, to to the northern base camp. Um, and I always say that Top Gear claimed to have found the the greatest roads in the world, but uh, oh, yeah. that road is the greatest road road in the world. You've got perfect black top tarmac um, winding its way over kind of four five thousand meter coals, and then you sort of round a corner, and you've got the the north face of Everest kind of sat up in front of you, and you just trundle ever closer and and, and pull into base camp and. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had a, a period of time obviously acclimatising yeah. en route, and um, and then yeah, headed up to um, headed up to the North Col at, at seven thousand and fifty metres to have a have a dinner party at, at um, in about minus thirty, and uh, yeah, got a Guinness World Record out of it, which um, That's pretty cool, yeah, which, which was pretty cool, yeah, yeah. Well, so, what was on the menu? It was a, it was a Michelin starred menu from a, from a chef in Nottingham. Uh, I recall in particular the, the chocolate dessert being uh, very, very nice. It obviously got cold pretty quick, yeah. uh, but it was washed down with a, with a glass of champagne before we headed back, uh, headed back down to base camp. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, must have some good pictures. Yes, yeah. There's, yeah the, the girls that got the, the girls that, um, it was, we were in black tie, so we, we had black tie underneath our down jackets and, uh, Two of the girls um, put on their ball gowns for the occasion as well. Um, so I think we're, we're almost certainly the bravest, bravest yeah. climbers on the mountain that season. Yeah, definitely, that's, that's that's fantastic. And I suppose for yourself, moving moving forwards, what what, what does the the future hold? Do you think? Oh, good question. Um, so I going into my final year of GP training this August. Um, so I'll be finishing in August 2022 and yeah, just starting to, to try and think through that now. I'm looking forward, I have to say, after to three years of training um, to a, a bit of a holiday as to what yeah, that will... Um, good, good plan, yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that will involve at the moment, um, but uh, I wouldn't mind uh, another overland trip somewhere in, in the Land Cruiser. Again, exactly where, I'm not sure, but, but, but getting back to Africa would be, would be fantastic. Um, uh, you know, again, but, uh, more work with with CCI um, or, or sort of all the other yeah other organisations. I'm really not sure. Um, there's awful awful lot of things that sort of catch my eye, um, and uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And so your Land Cruiser sounds like it's it's uh, it's done done you a pretty good job. How old is it now? Oh, it's uh, I think it's about thirty three. No, it's thirty one years old. Um, pretty good going then. So it's uh, yeah, it's done me done me pretty well, and um, it will need a bit of work doing to it before I take it on a, a, another big trip. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun, fantastic, fun, fantastic car. Um, yeah, I think the older they are, uh, the more reliable, and, and that's exactly what you want in, in Africa, really. 
Definitely, yeah, and you can tend to find parts, I guess, a bit more easily as well. Yeah, there was a, when I drove, we drove, me and my father drove down um, together. We had a father-son road trip, um, 5,000 miles down from, from London to, to Mali, southern Mali, drove drove down the uh, the west coast of Africa, and um, and then he flew home, and I went to work, and I was, was hoping to, to keep the truck in West Africa. Um, and then on my breaks, rather than flying back home, I was going to travel around and, and, and try and see a few more, few more countries. But Malian kind of uh, uh, the, the Malian government didn't really seem to want yeah. to offer me a, an import permit, and so I, I kind of feared that the car would be impounded. So I decided to, to drive home and uh, and headed up through from Mali up through Mauritania, driving kind of three days, long days through the through the Sahara to get out. And uh, I remember the the Mauritanian border. Uh, the border guard got very excited when he uh, when he saw the car and uh, sort of beckoned me round the back of uh, of the border building and I thought, oh God, you know, this Sounds is, I already, honest, I already yeah. knew it. Was, I already <laughs> knew it was probably one of the more dangerous places to be in the world. And I thought, oh, you know, should I should I follow him? And he sort of beckoned me round and round the back was you know exact same language as mine, same year. His had only done <laughs> about three or four times as many miles. He's done about six hundred thousand miles, but uh, wow. still looked like it was roadworthy. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It goes to show how, how reliable some of these cars are. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like you've done some some really cool things. And like, like we were saying earlier, you've made me add a few to to my list. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's no, really I, I good. I highly recommend uh, a big, long road trip. Can't go wrong. Yeah, definitely add, add that one to the list. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Marcus. It's, uh, it's been really interesting talking to you about some of these some of these things. And we've only scraped the surface of you know, some of those really awesome things you've been up to. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. You know, great to speak to you again. And uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying the, the series so far. And um, you know, absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, you know, thanks, thanks for inviting me. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, then check out our website, www.thewildernessmedic.com. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode or writing a blog for us, then do get in touch. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time, take care.